so much for this opportunity to come before you and worship you. We thank you for the blessing of the music. We thank you for the blessing of the readings. Everything, Father. The folks online, here and afar, that you just be with them on your Sabbath day, Father. It is a sign between you and your people. And we pray that the remainder of this service and that this message be a sweet incense to you and that it edify your people. We praise you and we thank you for all things. In Yahshua's name, Aliyah. So, my message is called The Gravity of Belief. I, I tinkered. Yeah, Ryan did a really good job on the graphic. I thought it, eh, he threw that together quick, too. I mean, I'm never not impressed with how he does that. But I decided to speak on this today because I feel like it's something that needs to be said. Um, I'm not going to get crazy with anything, but I, my spirit was telling me to speak on it. So, why do you believe? Why does anyone believe anything? Belief is an interesting thing. It's unmeasured in its power. It can hold the society together. It can bring hope to the hopeless and even salvation. It can, belief can be the difference between salvation and not having salvation. However, it can also bring a nation to its knees. Not always in a good way. Not always in prayer, that's for sure. But it can bring it to the ground. It can cause untold strife and misery. So what exactly is the deal with belief? Why is it so potent and so powerful? Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines belief, a state or habit of mind in which trust or confidence is placed in some person or thing. Now we could dive into the psyche of mankind and try to reason and justify things by the book, or we can just cut to the chase and call it what it is. Self-worship versus worship of the creator. It's not the most elegant argument. I understand that. But the ends are always the same. It's always the same. For example, if a person, and this is just one example of the probably millions you could find, but if a person believes that homosexuality is a sin in the eyes of Yahweh, or the Father, and that it is best avoided, even if they're feeling a pull in that direction. That person is sacrificing their own desires to the flesh for the will of the Father. Now, think about that. Think about the difference that belief in that, in that sin, that it is a sin, makes in that person's life. That one thing changes everything in their life. Another example person walks into a store, and the cashier's in the back of the room. And there's objects and goods out, unattended, unguarded, no security cameras. The person who believes that theft is wrong will not take the item, or is at least much less likely to. He won't give in to that pull. However... You get the person who has no belief, what's to stop them? It's an easy win. What does he have to lose? He has nothing to lose. It's an easy win for him. The point is, belief is what separates us from the world. The doctrine of the world has always been, if you have an urge, satisfy it. If you've watched any television or any shows or anything like that, you know that you're to be proud of your sin. You're to wear your sin like a badge of honor. 
And that's just, obviously we know that Yahweh gives us, the doctrine of Yahweh has always been, if you have an urge of the flesh, resist it, avoid it. It is not good for you. And if you do these things, you'll be rewarded beyond your comprehension. Now that's the part that makes it tough. We can't see the rewards immediately. Gratification of the flesh is right now. That's why it is so popular. That's why it's so powerful. So many people do it because they can see the results right now. That thief can take home that object that was unguarded without paying for it. No work, no effort. Just take it and it's yours. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning. With Adam and Eve in the garden. Genesis 2, verses 16 through 17. And Yahweh Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam had to believe that this was true. And we all know how this one turned out. The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is that unguarded object. Yahweh could have easily sat in front of that tree and made sure they didn't touch it. He could have easily placed a, a, an angel with a flaming sword that turns in every direction right in front of that tree. And things would have turned out a whole lot differently than they did. But he didn't. Adam had to believe that Yahweh's command was true. In Genesis 3... We get a very good look at how Yahweh deals with a lack of belief. I have, I believe, all of my scriptures on, a, on the slide. But if you've got the fourth edition, I encourage you to dig in. It's pretty good. <laughs> Chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which Yahweh Elohim had made. And he said to the woman, Has Elohim indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the servant, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, Elohim has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest ye die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for Elohim knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like Elohim, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a, tree desirable to make one, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of Yahweh Elohim walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh Elohim among the trees of the garden. And Yahweh Elohim called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And Yahweh Elohim said to the woman, What is this you have done? And Yahweh said, The serpent or, and the woman, excuse me, said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So Yahweh Elohim said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. 
And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and, he shall, and you shall bruise his heel. And the woman, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of your face you shall, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground from which you were taken. And for you, for you are dust. You, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam calls his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, Yahweh Elohim made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now I know that was a, a mouthful there. But it really does boil down to one thing. Adam and Eve. Eve did not believe the command of Yahweh. She believed the lie of Satan. Belief can go both ways. And it's powerful both on both sides of the fence. It was a lack of belief that caused man to doubt and disobey the simple command of Yahweh. It was a lack of belief that put man on the path that they're on. It was a lack of belief that causes Yahweh's creation to require redemption. It was a lack of belief that caused the need for a sacrifice. It was a lack of belief that ultimately killed the son of Yahweh. All the way back, a simple command, a lack of belief, has spiraled out of control. Such a simple thing, and it has just plummeted us into just chaos. So the groundwork is set. Mankind is tossed out of the garden and is forced to work the ground until ultimately he returns to it. And this is still our fate today. So what has changed? Well, to be honest, not a lot. There's a few key changes that have happened the messages remain the same throughout the ages. Repent of your sin and return to Yahweh's ways. There is one key factor that changes everything for us, and that's Yahshua. Yahshua came on the scene and took the promises that were given to Abraham and turned it up to 11. He is Yahweh's side of the bargain. With the Messiah, our belief will not just keep us living a righteous, long life on earth, as Scripture says. But he opened the door so that our belief can take us back to that garden we lost so long ago. Everyone, not just Israel, everyone. Belief in the Messiah hardly comes easy, though. Pull of the world is strong. And to underestimate it would be dooming ourselves to repeat that very same sin that Adam and Eve committed in the very beginning. Messiah had apostles and all kinds of people following him around. You would think, with all the publicity this man had, belief in him and subsequently Yahweh would have been rampant and nearly universal. I mean, the way that we hear of the things that are going on, the multitudes of people following him around, the miracles, the, the, the sayings, the parables, I mean, all of these things, it's, it's endured for 2,000 years you would think that it would be a universal thing, and a no-brainer. Not quite. 
Luke 9.58 says, And Yeshua said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Mankind has never wasted an opportunity to bungle a good deal. So why wasn't Yahshua accepted? Why did he have such a small, dedicated following? Belief, or lack of belief. How could people be expected to follow this guy? He was claiming to be the son of Yahweh. You know, we hear this, and it doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. Of course he was the son of Yahweh. Look at all he did and fulfilled. But we have to understand, the people in charge at that time, they'd never experienced anything like this before. Granted, we haven't experienced anything like it since. However, this was unbelievable to them. Even though their own scriptures they were reading were speaking of the Messiah with absolute accuracy. That's the hard part about belief. Belief and faith go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. It takes faith, and faith requires us to step out in uncharted waters. And let's just say Israel, and by extension the Jews at the time, read through the, the, the scriptures of Yahshua, the New Testament, read through it. Israel is not exactly keen on the idea of change. Tradition and adherence to their own laws trumped any possibility of belief. After all, if he was the Messiah, how did the leaders and the rabbis and the Pharisees, how did they not see him coming? They're taught, they're learned in the scriptures. How on earth could this guy slip under the radar the way he did? The scriptures they were reading were indeed the word of Yahweh. They weren't reading a different set of scriptures. But those scriptures alone are not enough. If the word is the soil, faith in Messiah is the seed, and belief is the water that feeds it. The Jewish leaders at the time were so wrapped up in their own dogma and traditions that they never saw him coming. They were too busy hounding each other on whether or not to wash their hands before they eat, or what's the right way to do this? How many times should I pour water on my hands? I remember Pastor Randy gave a sermon one time and it had a video of this rabbi explaining the right way to wash your hands and you take the pot you pour it over this hand you pour it over this hand meanwhile the messiah walks by behind this guy and he has no clue that he ever came by because he's so focused on just tradition dogma and that's a dangerous thing what are you wrapped up in what is your hand washing what are your personal blinders what are some of the things in your life that draw attention away from Yahweh, from the sacrifice of Yeshua, to his presence in your life? Don't be caught like the rabbis and Pharisees were. They were so busy focusing on what they thought to be true and what they thought to be important that the single most important event of, since creation passed them by. They're still suffering from it today. 2 Timothy Verses, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 through 7. For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of Elohim, which is in you. Through the laying on of my hands, for Elohim gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Fear of what? What is there to be fearful of? The world? Man's wickedness? Death? 
The world has belief. Strong, strong belief. That there is no creator. That we're all here by random chance. And we are all hurling through space towards our inevitable deaths. And if you think otherwise, you're part of the problem. It sounds dramatic, but it's a powerful belief. Think about it. What's to stop you from sinning when sin is simply a social construct? It's relative. It's subjective. Good and evil are subjective rather than defined. Once that threshold is crossed, there is no limit. Man's wickedness will not stop. If you think you've seen it bad, it will always get worse. I promise you. It's bad now, but it will get worse. And it will not stop getting worse until the Messiah comes and stops it. That's the only chance we have. A belief in nothing is still belief. And we will be expected to advance that belief before long. What we believe now will be a problem. What we believe and how we practice and how we exercise our faith will be an issue. And we'll be expected to either stand down or stand up for our belief one way or another. You see it all the time. They call it cancel culture. It's, a, it's huge right now. Wicked people dominate the airwaves in almost every single aspect of our life, whether it's on the internet or television or radio, music, books, everything. It's coming from all angles. And they promote everything that is wrong in this life. And then when people decide to rally around them, it's only a matter of time before the mob turns on those people. We see it all the time. You see a celebrity backing this movement over here or this movement over here. And then something they said, did, or wrote 50 years ago comes out and all of a sudden they are stringing them up in town square. They're crucifying them. They're demanding blood. They're demanding that everything be taken from them because they messed up a long time ago in their eyes. It's like blood in the water at that point. And the sharks are coming to feed. At, at that point, they consume their own every single time. And that's the danger with the world's belief. It will never be enough, no matter how far and how hard you try to conform to that, even if you think it's the right thing to do. It will never be enough. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Whoops. I don't have them all on the slide, so crack open those fourth editions, folks. <laughs> Proverbs 27, verse 20. Human desires are like the world of the dead. There's always room for more. That's from the Good News translation, by the way. Sometimes I like to go through and I filter through different translations, and some of them just hit the nail right on the head. And in this case, yeah, I think it did. Human desires are like the world of the dead. There's always room for more. Mankind will never be satisfied on their own. I mean, just think about the Torah reading we just had. Oh, they want quail because man is not good enough. I mean, it, whether it's food or just you can apply that literally to any aspect of life. It's life the life they live will never satisfy them. There will always be a new level that they need to go to or sink to, I guess you could say. People who build their lives around this mindset and this lifestyle are being cursed to be crushed by it eventually. Living by the sword and dying by the sword 
if you live your life willing to just persecute and be angry with people, the time will come when that will turn around on you every single time. Moving on from the world, let's, let's move on a little bit. Quote, for Elohim gave us a spirit of fear, not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Again, fear of what? Man's wickedness, maybe, or death. Well, both the world and man's wickedness apply, to be sure. But the prior two always end with the latter, every single time. Death. It is one of the very few consistent things that binds everybody together. The result of Adam and Eve's initial unbelief is still relevant and affecting every single one of us. How can someone not fear death? Think about that. If you, if it, how does somebody not fear death? It comes like a thief in the night. Rarely do you see it coming, and when you do see it coming, it comprises the longest and most painful moments of your life. There are some beloved brethren and sisters going through this right now. They see it coming. Before my dad passed away in 2019, May of 2019, he was in poor health. His heart was ticking at about 10 to 20% of that of a person, a normal person his age, their heart. I remember lying awake and fretting and worrying about him all the time. Losing sleep, wondering, how on earth am I going to deal with this? Scared out of my mind at the possibility that one day he's not going to be here. I remember that. It wasn't that long ago. He always kept a very bright outlook. Even in his bleakest moments, he was thankful and grateful for the blessings he had. He was calm while I was shaken. And he was thankful while I was stressing out, losing sleep. He'd sleep like a baby. I'll never forget. He told me one time, he said, if Yahweh gives me 70 years, as far as I'm concerned, he's held up his end of the bargain. And everything after that is more than I deserve. He was thankful for every day he had. He was never shaken when faced with the most serious situations. Why? He believed. I don't think I believed like I don't think I believed like he did. I do now, but I don't think I did at the time. Mom believed, still believes. They stood on the rock of our faith and believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that there would be another chapter for them. He and my mom faced seemingly insurmountable foes with humbleness, meekness, and love. And they made the decision together and believed that it was right in Yahweh's eyes. So they, the doctors, they could have kept him, they could have kept him kicking for a long time. A couple years maybe, they said. He would have been bedridden. Mom would have had to wait on him hand and foot. And she would have. But that's not what... The, Dad and Mom both believed that the right thing to do was Yahweh was knocking on the door. It was time for them to answer it. 
And so rather than drag it on for who knows how long, they just let Yahweh have him. They let Yahweh have him. And that's what this is all for. It's not worrying about satisfaction in this life. It's not worrying about the day-to-day. Not even when weeping on death's door. Rather rejoicing in the fact that we have so much more to experience with Yahweh. Matthew 6. Another long one. Sorry, everybody. 19 through 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where the thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. But if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both Elohim and money, or mammon. And you can take mammon and money and replace that with anything. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What, you eat, what will you eat or drink or about your body? What will you wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how Elohim clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, or tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think that the the thing I want people to take away from this is that what you believe is important. What you stand behind is important. What you don't stand behind is important. Your belief in Yahweh can easily be counteracted by your belief in something wicked. Something man-made. You can't serve two masters. You have to be either completely devoted to Yahweh and what his word says, or you might as well just, like Pastor Randy said, there's the door. Be completely devoted or don't be anything at all. The world is an amalgamation of chaos and anger and hatred and sexual immorality and just wickedness, complete and total wickedness. I've seen things in the last several months that turned my stomach. And I think this should be a wake-up call. They are exercising their belief right now. The world is exercising exactly what they believe Right now, it's easy to stand up and say, oh, well, I don't, I don't stand with this part of it, but this part of it I like. 
if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck and acts like a duck, there's a good chance it's a duck. And there's a lot of nasty things going on in the world right now. Yahweh called us to be so, so much more than this. We have a, we have a responsibility to the body of Messiah, to our brothers and sisters and, and the children. We have a responsibility to stand up for this belief and stand up for this faith. Don't worry about what the world's doing. It's burning. It's been burning down around us for 2,000 years. They just have more ways to broadcast it now. What they did in secret, they're doing in the open now. You know, they're angry and they're violent and they're, they're just wicked people. We're to be different. We are to concern ourselves with the flock and adding people to the flock. Not losing yourself in the world. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4 and 5. And Elohim will wipe every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. There's going to come a time when belief in Yahweh is going to be a, let's just say, there will be those, I think, that won't believe in Yahweh, even when he's sitting right in front of them. Somebody's got to be gnashing their teeth outside the kingdom. However, this is what we believe in. The kingdom coming. The fact that we don't have to, eventually there will be a time when we don't have to worry about the world anymore. It will be taken care of. We will be protected. We will be better. No more pain. No more tears. Because he who sits on the throne is going to make all things new. It will be completely different. I don't think we fully comprehend exactly how things are going to change and how much things are going to change. This life we've been given is one that is predicated on faith and it is sustained by belief. Without belief, there is no faith. Without faith, there's no belief. There, it's like asking yourself, could some, what's more important, the brain or the heart? The heart provides blood to the brain and the brain tells the heart to beat. Neither one is more important than the other. They're both equally important. And we have to, knowing that, belief in what we do and what we stand for is every bit as important in the faith we have in Yahweh and Yeshua. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This always goes faster than I expected it to. It takes a lot longer to write it than it does to go through it. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to Elohim must believe that he exists. And he rewards those who seek him. Without faith it is impossible to please him. And we must believe that he exists. That his words are true. Like I stated before. If you don't believe that his words are true. Then it's a, it's a, it's a free for all out there. Get yours while you can get it and forget anybody else that gets in your way. 
I mean, if you think about that, how chaotic. You think it's chaotic now. I mean, hallelujah, Yahweh gives people, even wicked people, some form of consciousness most of the time. It would be madness if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit talking to people. It would be madness. I'm <laughs> convinced. Belief is what ensures us that Yahweh knows what he's talking about. It gives us that fearlessness we need to stand against the adversary, against the world, against the wickedness. Would anybody lay down their life for their friend, like Messiah said, if they didn't believe that there was something better? Why bother? Why bother to do anything good for your fellow man, for your brother, for your sister, for your family, for your stranger? Why bother? If there's no belief that it's the right thing to do, what's the point? It gives us confidence that Yahweh's word is perfect, eternal, and good. And that the promises given are true. And that the promises given are worth all of this. This belief is everything. This belief sets us apart from the world. We're called to be a peculiar people. We're called to be a nation and a kingdom of priests and saints. All of the things Yahweh calls us to be are predicated on our belief. That we believe him. That we believe that he's there. That his, that his word is true. Without belief and without faith, there's nothing. There's no hope. We have an awesome Elohim and a Savior who believed. I think we should all try to do our best to believe in what he said. Scripture tells us to walk as he walked and live as he lived. If we do that, those promises that were given, they'll apply to us, and it will indeed all be worth it. Again, a little shorter than I expected it to be, but hallelujah. Praise Yahweh, and may Yahweh bless you.